Welcome to TCN Talks. I'm your host, Chris Como, and the goal of our podcast is 15 to 20 minutes of relevant need to know to help you in your role as a hospice, palliative care, and serious illness leader and team member at all levels of the organization. So our goal is concise and relevant need to know to help you in your role. And the bookend of our podcast is always something to make you think deeper, just about life in itself, but also related to our topic. And so my guest today is Jason Bradshaw. Jason is an employee benefits consultant with USI Insurance Services. Welcome, Jason. Morning, Chris. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, it's great to have you. I'm pretty excited to talk about this. And before we actually jump into our topic, which I'm going to title our show today, The Benefits of Benefits. But before we jump in, Jason, what does our audience need to know about you and also USI, who you work for? Well, Chris, I've been in the industry, uh, benefits and insurance, uh, since I was out of college. Went to UNC, and my goal was to be in broadcast journalism, so at least I learned how to be an effective communicator, and that's something that really ties into part of what we're going to talk about today. So worked on the carrier side with Blue Cross. I've worked for large hospital systems, did some wellness uh, things with WebMD, and in the last few years, I really took a step back and said, look, I want to help more employers at a deeper dive, and that's what led me to work for USI. We are the fourth largest consulting firm in the United States. And I really feel like the phrase that describes my role and what we do best is we're large, but we're local. So we want to bring a ton of resources, consulting knowledge to our clients and to employers in the area, but feel like we're truly that local partner right down the street to help them and their employees. That's good. You know, I heard a quote the other day, Justin, from one of our uh, TCM members. We're big enough to matter and small enough to care. I love that. That actually stuck in my head. And so very appropriate. Yeah, very appropriate. So I'm excited about our topic today about the benefits of benefits because this is a very interesting time. Every hospice in America that I talk to, but not just hospice, healthcare as a whole, are struggling with staffing. How do I keep my staff? How do I actually recruit and get some of the best staff? And so before staff thinks that they should tune out and go, they're going to talk about benefits. We really want to do our show today of, hey, what do leaders need to know, but also what does staff need to know? There are many times in my career now, over 25 years, there are certain things I wish staff knew about benefits. And so I think you and I are going to hit on that of, one, what do leaders need to know? Because this is such a critical mm-hmm. time. But two, what does staff need to know? Because it really is a partnership. So with that, Jason, let's jump in. And so my first question to you is, what are the challenges that employers uh, are having related to benefits in today's market? And then maybe kind of a follow on to that is what are the challenges that you think employees should also know as well? Well, Chris, and I love how you alluded to it. I think the key is trying to tie those together, employer facing challenges and how the employees feel those or how they need to view those as well. So truly, you know, in today's world, healthcare, insurance, just life in general, it's just more complicated than ever. And for an employer providing a health plan that works through all those areas, that's just a challenge for everyone. So while the health plan is really designed to help employees get good outcomes, it often ends up being probably the most uh, place of significant frustration, again, for leadership and at the employee level. So given that the employers that are part of TCN or that we're speaking to today are in the healthcare industry, their employees are going to feel uh, these challenges more than most just because their life has been has been more tough than mine, to be honest, during the pandemic. So some specific challenges that we're seeing in the market are should employers make vaccines mandatory or heavily incentivize those? And I realize there's a lot of legislation and verbiage we're waiting to get on that if you're over 100 employees. But again, that's a challenge that employers in your space have been thinking about for a number of months now. So we have a huge shortage of capable workers, and we know that hospice, you need highly experienced, highly, highly well thought out employees. 
So there's been a shortage of those in the market. How do we balance that with all of these mandates and getting folks to be able to work for us due to just COVID and the pandemic in general? With the demand for talent and cost also continue to rise, how are you going to structure your benefits to have cost-saving measures in place without frustrating those employees that you're so actively seeking to come work for your organization? And again, building that type of program without having hassles or frustrations or additional hoops to jump through on the pharmacy side for employees. That, that's just one example we see. Uh, the challenge of communication, I alluded to that earlier. That's just, it's become a, a larger challenge because more and more of it has to be remote. We've got a virtual world now. More folks are working virtually or from home or as they travel. So having that plan in place and communicating that, again, a big change in the last two years. From the employee perspective, one thing I want to mention is they really do need to be kept in the loop at a high level as to what's going on. You know, you mentioned some things. So if I'm an employee at an organization and my costs continue to rise, maybe my benefits feel like they're deteriorating. Do I know the reasons behind that? Again, we know the employer can't share everything. We've got HIPAA, protected health information involved. But at the employee, they do need to be kept in the loop at a high level about what they're facing from a cost perspective. So that's medical trend every year. That's their loss ratio. Are they truly losing money through their insurance program? Uh, COVID claims in general have had an impact on those cost structures and barriers. And then just what I see on a daily basis, this very tangible point of service, is the high cost of pharmacy impacting not only the plan, but the employees themselves. Mm -hmm. So lastly, on this topic, employers should really try and benchmark what their plans look like and feel like at the employee level. And then that way they can find ways to improve those and build those and be more sustainable. That's, I think you did a good job, Jason, summing up what the challenges are. And they, I've seen them throughout most of my career, um, you know, rising health insurance costs. You know, gosh, can I absorb a 10 to 15% rate increase? Do I pass, pass those along to my employees? It's, it's a horrible struggle. But man, this has got to be the absolute worst of all of these things culminating at the same time. And so I think you hit it really good. You know, the vaccines, the mandate is a whole nother challenge. Um, trying to do the right thing as an employer because you want to protect your staff, you want to encourage them to protect themselves. But then some people feel very strongly about not getting the vaccine. That's where we've actually done a series of some of these podcasts um, because unfortunately there's a lot of misinformation out there. So giving people, um, Dr. John Morris has been great on our side, to give them really good facts and knowing that Dr. Morris has no motivation for them to do one thing or the other, he just wants to provide good information for people to make the right decision. But as an employer, We've been really struggling with, do we mandate? Well, obviously the government's going to kind of force that conversation. Probably by the time this airs, it'll probably be pretty close to coming to a head. Um, but then also, I love a couple of things you hit about the challenge of communication. I think sometimes we have so many things coming at us as organizations that to, to not take the time and then help staff understand, hey, guys, this is the challenge this year. This is why maybe we're faced with a rate increase as an employer. Here are the potential options that we can do. So maybe that's going to be a, a good jumping off point to our next question since we've laid out the challenge as well, Jason. But what are some of the ways that you think employers can think about their benefits package just from a strategic standpoint, but also maybe a competitive positioning standpoint? What are those things that they should be thinking about? Yeah, great segue into that question, Chris. And I think it is it's several things. And I think most employers try and do this well, but take that comprehensive look at the entire benefit package every year, not every five years, three years, every year. Look at your core benefits that folks see, hopefully in their benefits brochure, medical, dental, vision. Again, we use those on a daily basis almost, but look at the total compensation, 
your your um, hiring structure, your salary structure, how you've written up those job descriptions, your 401k, paid time off, everything all the way down to what I would call work-life flexibility. That's been a growing trend with employers as more employees want to work from home or virtually or just have a little bit of flexibility. Hey, let me come in today or, or you know, kind of a mixed schedule. That is tougher in the hospice world. Again, I realize that, but I think at least employers need to have that conversation with leader, internally with leadership and then make that part or make that communicated as part of the overall benefits package. One unique thing that we've seen employers really talk about doing, and we're going to get engagement from both sides, so the leadership and the employee level, is trying to build a, a support system. And that may or may not sound like a benefit offering, but if you bring in someone like a health advocate, and we've done this with a number of organizations, that they learn the culture of the organization, they learn who the employees are, and it's not a 1-800 number. So if I have an issue about getting finding a point of care, helping with a high-cost prescription, hey, I think about having back surgery. One provider's told me this, should I seek out a physical therapy evaluation? I'm going to pick up a phone and I'm not going to call the carrier. I'm not going to call an 800 number where I'm going to talk to one of many people that don't know me or my organization. I'm going to talk to a dedicated uh, advocate that has worked in the industry, has medical knowledge and benefit insurance knowledge for a minimum of 10 years. So what we've done is as an employer, I put something in place that feels like my folks that, that we're trying to hire and struggling to hire have an extra asset kind of built into the program to help them navigate it. Tough questions, again, closing gaps in care, et cetera. At the same time, there's some cost factors that will help the organization out because normally when you put an advocacy program in place, there's a four to one savings over about a three to five year span. Wow. So again, look for ways to build this overall benefit structure with some outside the box ideas and not just a cookie cutter approach that many folks have done for years, years ongoing with medical dental vision on down the list. Good deal. Um, well, also, I think I'd love for you to speak to the employees as well. You know, most employees, we want the best benefits possible. Um, and it's really difficult for employers. Um, you know, we, we want as employees, we want, I want to pay the lowest amount and the best possible benefit. So what would be good things? Speak to employees. What do they need to know from their perspective to help their employer out to meet that desire that they have to get the best benefits for the lowest amount of money? Well, you hit the nail on the head, Chris. So I want the best benefits, the lowest copay, the best drug card, the lowest deductible out of pocket for the lowest cost uh, contribution coming out of my paycheck every pay period. That is consistent no matter what industry or what organization I talk to. Again, I think in the hospice world, because of the competitive nature of the hiring, hiring right now, even a bigger factor. So if I'm an employee, I do need to know more. I need to ask for more information. I don't need to just know what my benefits are on the surface I need to understand how I as an employee can contribute to the overall success of the plan. And, and again, that sounds way oversimplified what I said. And, and a, an employee may say, well, what can I as one person do? To me, it's that it takes a village type mentality. And again, I think this can come from leadership down. But if I'm an employee, I need to know my numbers. I need to understand that my well-being can actually contribute at a high level to the, to the success of the benefits and of the associated cost factors. So one thing that we've really put in place for a number of years is enhanced primary care physician engagement. So just in general, guys don't go to the doctor unless we absolutely have to. Females do go quite a bit, so I commend them for that. And I know we've got a, a higher population of, of female workers in the hospice world. So again, doing that and having your annual preventive screenings and age-appropriate wellness checks, that actually rolls up into the cost of the overall benefit structure. So again, if I'm an employee saying, hey, look, if I just do what I need to do, 
on a yearly basis in engaging with my doctor, building that relationship and understanding what my numbers are and closing gaps of care. So pre-diabetic, know my cholesterol, blood pressure, et cetera, communication is huge there. I can have that long-term impact. We've seen that for, if we can get 10% of an employee population at an organization to see their primary care physician every year for, again, those age-appropriate screenings or wellness checkup, that can have a 10% impact to the good on inpatient calls for the overall organization and a 1% impact to the good on emergency room calls. Wow. So just imagine that. If I'm an employee and as a group of us, we know that just doing the basics with our healthcare, being good stewards of how we feel on a daily basis, it can literally create a more sustainable track for us to have better benefits at that lower cost. So we can sustain having that lower deductible, lower copay, better draw card, and again, keeping cost level for a number of years. Four Seasons, one of your TCN members, they've kept their employee contributions the same for a seven or eight year period. And they actually added an improved or better plan this year for employees. So again, it can be done giving that good stewardship of an employee just of their own health. That's good. And I think about, you know, Four Seasons as an example, they've done such a great job of encouraging their employees um, in wonderful ways, engaging them around their own self-care. In fact, one of their employees gave me a great uh, line in our our, our very first podcast, which is radical times require radical self-care. And, you know, I've seen over the years where employees get frustrated about their employer's benefits, but yet where the rubber meets the road is everything you just talked about. Our own health, owning our own health is the number one way that you can make an impact, first off at an individual level, but absolutely at an employer level. Whereas if we feel like almost um, disincentivized or almost uh, where my health is someone else's responsibility, on the short term, some employer might go, hey, don't worry about it. We got you covered. In the long run, um, it's going to affect both employer and the employee. And so I think that personal responsibility is just so key. And I think you gave some very specific examples there. But Jason, as we think about kind of moving beyond that, what about innovations that you've seen in the marketplace in regard to benefits? What are some innovative things that, are, that you see people doing? Or maybe you guys as USI are encouraging people to look at or think about? Yeah, Chris, there are four or five that really come to mind. And again, the goal should be for an organization and their consultant to have two or three new ideas every year. Doesn't mean you roll those out. Maybe you pin those for year two or year three, but you need an ongoing strategy to know what's going on in the market so that you can offer that to your employees. So again, you keep that balance of cost and richness of your your benefit structure. So I did mention the health advocacy program earlier. That's something we're seeing having a growing trend in the industry where you've you've got that assigned person that helps your employees close those gaps in care, better understand their plans, work through hospitalizations, et cetera. That's we're seeing a number of organizations look at that as a kind of more standard in the industry. Another idea that we've seen work in the Charlotte area, and I'm actually trying to get this launched in Hickory, is a shared clinic idea. So what you get is you gather a number of like-minded employers. So again, they're thinking along the same lines of rich benefits, culture, offering for their employees. Hey, we want to promote wellness, uh, long-term benefits, et cetera. So again, they're thinking along the same lines. They they really take that very uh, from the the matter and build a brick and mortar option for those employees and their dependents to have access to. So if I join this shared clinic, I've got a place for all my employees and their dependents to go at no cost to them. And the one thing it's really done is it's driven the primary care or medical care interaction up. So when I go see a primary care physician, I'm lucky I've got a great one. But on average, that face-to-face encounter is about seven minutes. 
Sure, we're in the waiting room. We check in, check out. We're in there a few minutes. We feel like they're, we're there an hour. That interaction is seven minutes. Uh, the shared clinic can get that up to an average of 30 minutes. So again, someone's understanding you, understanding your well-being, and helping kind of step you through the process to stay, stay a healthier employee. That sounds like a great um, option. Virtual, virtual business in general, we've seen that just skyrocket during COVID. So a slight decrease in actual preventive care visits face-to-face, huge increase in the number of virtual care visits. And so now we're seeing vendors in the market that are specific to bridging that gap. And, hey, let's have virtual preventive care and let's make that 24-7. So, again, if I'm someone that I, I need to either because my organization's mandate, I have my annual screening every year I'm being a good steward of my health. I've got a different way of accessing that. And again, having more of a 30 minute interaction with a medical professional that I can build a relationship with versus that under 10 minutes. So again, that's another very innovative thing. I truly do think that this could very well be the future of primary care. Yeah. Last one I'll mention is something that a TCN member, uh, Carolina Caring, that actually uses is reference-based pricing. So very aggressive from a cost structure perspective and savings and that you're using Medicare plus pricing in reimbursements with local hospital systems. The key with this one, it is hugely successful from a cost perspective. You've just got to do a great job of educating and communicating how the program works with your employees. And I I know the leadership team at Carolina Caring has done an amazing job of that. So again, we're seeing some of those kind of ebbs and flows in the industry right now. I would anticipate if you ask me the same question next year, I probably have three or four new ones that we've seen kind of rise to the top as well. That's great, Jason. All those are awesome ideas. Well, just in closing, because we're kind of getting to the end of our segment here, what else do you think our listeners need to know regarding benefits? What final thoughts would you like to leave them with? Yeah, so the biggest benefit of of all this is someone's health being actually improved at a lower cost. So when we can incentivize folks taking care of themselves, that's helping that individual, that's creating that longer, more sustainable path actually for the organization everyone is going to win. And, and one last thought I'd like to leave with is, you know, we, we alluded to it earlier, but it's being good steward at the employee level. You know, if I'm going to shop for a gift for a loved one, I painstake, I spend time over that. I analyze that. Hey, what's my mom or dad, girlfriend, et cetera. Won't I spend a ton of analyzation on that? If I go buy a car, I may compare what dealership gives me more oil changes. We need to do that as organizations looking at our healthcare plans, spend that time as an employee. If you're going to spend time shopping on Amazon or shopping for a car, uh, again, to make that perfect choice, make the perfect choice with your healthcare. Make sure you're seeing a provider that you trust that you can get in front of face to face for a number of minutes. Make sure you're looking and understanding all your benefits before electing the plan or plans that work best for you. Again, be a good steward of that. So I see that with all the organizations I work with, but if we can all spend a little more time and energy in making those decisions, I think, again, we create better pathways for employers and employees in the healthcare world. That's really good, Jason. That's great. Um, you know, as I kind of look throughout my career, I'd say that um, while those are kind of final thoughts and innovations, I think that, you know, throughout my time in this industry, I think that would always be well served. And, you know, as you hit it a couple of times, man, communication is so important around this. Um, you know, looking forward where things are going, but also communicating with our employees, listening to what um, matters to them, what's most important to them. And our demographics have changed over the last 25 years. When I first came into the industry, it was mostly um, females and later in their career. Now that's changed quite a bit as you um, you see a younger population of people choosing this as their career choice. So 
Well, Jason, that's all great wisdom. Thank you so much. And we obviously want to pay this forward to all the people that we work with, because I think this is one of the most important things. Our employees are our greatest assets. They're also the largest amount that we actually spend in our organizations. And second to that is benefits. So just being really smart about this. So thanks for the wisdom that you provided today. I really appreciate it. I know our listeners do as well. And as always do, I want to live our, leave our listeners with a bookend of our podcast, um, a quote. This one's from Jeff Bezos, we all know from Amazon. He says, you need a culture that high fives small and innovative ideas. And so thanks for listening to TCN Talks.